0: One of the things that makes all of what we're doing here hard, I think, besides a number of things, but <laughs> one thing very specifically, it's just the limitations of language. So we do our best to give you instructions that are um, hopefully somewhat easy to understand. And also, hopefully, for me and Cheryl, is that we're also giving instructions that are um, that are accurate to the Buddhist instruction. Um, and so when we're talking about instructions and in language, sometimes when we hear the instruction, maybe in our mind or linguistically, we go, okay, that makes sense, I, I get that. And then we up, try to apply the instruction to direct present-time experience. Sometimes it can get a little, a little bit uh, difficult. So this is why I believe that Dharma practices is, is for the most part, very experiential. And that one of the things that we're trying to do is to corroborate or to understand these things for ourselves and our own direct experience. And the Buddha himself said many times that all of his teachings are ahi pasako. Come and see for yourself. So there's there's, there's a uh, kind of scientific methodology to it of we sit, we, we observe the mind-body process and we, we apply certain aspects of our attention to qualities of experience, the body, the breath. We try to look at our resistance and change our attitude and we try to dial things in as best we can to have these glimpses of insight, these experiences of being present, of being at ease. I don't know about your mind, but my mind moves really quick. Um, and perhaps maybe you're starting to notice on retreat, the mind does kind of go a little bit more slow motion. Which is one of the things that makes these uh, longer retreats so beneficial, is you do get that experience of things kind of slow down a little bit. Um, which requires some degree of patience, of course. Um... But it allows us to see a little bit more clearly with a little bit more lucid awareness as to what it is that is arising, because all of the distractions that we normally have have been successfully stripped away, which also creates a whole other set of circumstances. So I want to talk this morning and do a practice around this term, chitta, the development of chitta. And uh, some of you might know this as bodhicitta, awakened heart-mind. So citta translates as heart-mind, which I know is not extremely helpful. <laughs> but it's. I think I would argue, and I think in, in a very real way, the goal of, of the whole uh, Buddhist tradition is to actually liberate the heart-mind, to liberate the citta, essentially from the forces of greed, hatred, and delusion, but really trying to liberate ourselves from these destructive views, destructive attitudes, destructive emotions, really to liberate ourselves from suffering one moment at a time. And of course, as we, you know, there's a, there's a theory that says uh, short moments repeated become continuous. So even though you might just be getting these little half-second, one-second, three-second moments of liberation, they when repeated, they become, they, they, they cultivate. They become, and we live more in that space. We live more in the space of awareness, more in the space of benevolence. And so we have to kind of create that. We have to work for that. And so when we think, of, we use words like mind, of course, which is a very ambiguous term. And in, in the early Buddhist tradition, they talk about mind in three ways. The root of the word is manas, mind. And we talk about, they talk about mind in the terms of manasakara, which is attention. So we've been working with attention, which is a function of mind, a very valuable function of mind. It's not necessarily liberated or has that quality to it, but it does have that redirecting, redirecting, redirecting the attention back to a, a present time object, back to the here and now, you know. You've been doing a lot of this. And that's, that's a very important part of the equation. The other way in which the mind is defined is in this term vinyana, which means consciousness, which is a little broader than attention. It's sort of the, the whole range of um, what arises in, in consciousness through the, the five senses, through sound, taste, smell, sight, sensation, and also through thinking, through the <coughs> mind gate, the mental gate, your favorite gate. And so what we've been doing is we've been training the attention to be more liberal and to pay attention and to be aware of a wider range of what's available within our consciousness, within our awareness, the body, the breath, sounds, trying to become more present. And as we become more present, the mind-body system does slow down a little bit, feel relaxed at times, feel at ease, less activated. (coughs) And you are so much slowed down that you have no idea. Like if we, if I was to put you in my truck and drive you to Albuquerque right now, you would be tripping. <laughs> You'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> you really would. And in the, in the third way, in the way I'm going to talk about here this morning and do some practice around chitta is uh, that mind is defined as, as chitta. Which is uh, heart mind. And the reason why I like this term so much is because it does, because it talks about heart mind, it also is uh, pointing to the reality of emotion. And the Buddhist tradition doesn't have a great language for emotion. Me and Cheryl were talking about this this morning. But this citta experience is really this, uh, maybe we would understand it as the cognitive emotional experience the relationship between thoughts and emotions. And thoughts and emotions is very chicken and egg. What came first, the thought or the emotion? Well, we can generate, we can self-generate emotions. You can sit here and start thinking about something that happened a long time ago that didn't go well, and this person hurt my feelings, and they're really quite a bad person, and I think about that, and then the emotion of anger arises below that. So there's that self-generated emotion. Or we just have the emotion in the body and we maybe don't know what the emotion is, but it's unpleasant, it's a dissatisfying, it's a painful emotion, and then we start to think about where this emotion came from, why do I have this emotion, why am I a person who has this emotion, it's a bad emotion, don't want to have a bad emotion, why am I a person who has a bad emotion? <laughs> so that, that, that's, that, that's all chitta. And so, in, in the discourses, they talk about chitta in, in three kinds of ways. In, in one way, chitta is it's is, is, is the knower of the object. So chitta, just in a very basic way, it knows an object. It knows a tree as a tree, as a sight, as a tree, as a white tree, as an aspen tree, as a beautiful tree. Chitta knows all that. It knows what the object is. So it's the, it's the gnosis, the knowing. And really what we want to do in practice is we want to know all objects. We want to fully know. When we look at dukkha and the first noble truth, the the, the task to be performed is to fully know. Dukkha, to fully know all objects as what they are. To know the object. A lot of times I don't know about you, but I don't want to know the object. (laughs) I don't want to hear that noise. And so then the chitta becomes resistant. I don't want to know about this object a bad object, it's a painful object, I'm tired of this object. So that chitta takes on a resistant kind of characteristic. So it's not knowing the object, it it doesn't want to be known. And then it keeps re-arising until it's fully known. This is why resistance doesn't work so great. There's a theory that says whatever you resist will persist. If I could have hated the pain in my knee away, well, that would have worked nice. So that doesn't work. It happens probably often, more often than we might like to admit, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't do much uh, good. The other way is, is uh, chitta is an instrument that organizes other mental faculties or organizes consciousness in a way. So chitta would organize attention and feeling, and it would organize, okay, this is uh, paying attention to this, this feels unpleasant, organizes perception, this is how I perceive that. So what it does is, is it's how we make sense of experience. So it, 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 it organizes all of our mental faculties in a way that the moment makes sense to us. Now, clearly, just because we get that quick and dirty analysis of what the moment means or we get a sense of what's happening right now, again, as we've been talking about all week, we don't always get the whole complete picture. We don't always get the full. We just get this limited view, and based on that limited view, the chitta behaves in a particular kind of way. So chitta also does have a behavior-like quality. So as we come into each moment experience, whatever we're relating to, the chitta behaves. It's doing something with the object. It's it's resisting the object. It's wanting to have the object. It feels disappointed by the object. It feels entitled to have the object. It feels aggravated about the object. It feels at ease with the object. It feels compassion towards the object. It feels joyful about the object. These are all chittas. And we want to cultivate the wholesome or healthy or constructive chittas. We don't want to cultivate the resistant, disappointed, aggravated chitta. <laughs> we certainly do. And so the third way, and the way we're going to talk about it here, is in its processual sense, in the way that chitta is a verb. The first two definitions are a noun, as a knowing, as an instrument, and then chitta as a verb, as, as what... How am I behaving? What is the behavior of this moment? What is the psycho-emotional behavior in this moment? Am I grabbing? Am I dropping? Am I avoiding... Am I, or am I fully in touch? Am I, am, I, am I here? Am I open? Do I have these more meditative, beautiful qualities? I feel at ease? I feel open, I feel curious, I feel generous, I feel kind. I feel joyous. I feel gratitude. Those are also chittas that are available. And so it's so much easier to talk about than it is to, to experience, but there's a way in which we come into the present-time experience, and I think that where we find the chitta or start to recognize it as a, as a possibility, as a kind of trying to experientially get a sense for where it is and what it is, it's like sort of where the mind, the heart, and the body, they all kind of converge on this chitta, right? And as the mind and body converge in the moment, if there's sort of a pain in the body, if there's an unpleasantness in the body, then the mind is like, ooh, this body is no bueno. Gotta get away from this body. And then the chitta gets activated, and again, it's kind of the referee between the mind and the body. It's like, well, you know, guys, like, you know, the, you guys, you're, you're kind of stuck with each other. You know, what do you want to do here? And you're like, well, I want my body to stop hurting so I can enjoy the meditation retreat. And I don't like this body, and I'm tired of this sleepy, tired, painful body. And then there's all this kind of activation. So, in the great work of Bessel van der Kolk, in the, in the, in the trauma work that he talks about around the body, it's, it's the body that keeps the score. So it's really trying to bring this presence and kindness into the body, especially when it is difficult, when it is tired, when it is sleepy, when it is painful. And trying to bring into that experience uh, a sense of presence and ease. And so it's like in every moment we try to cultivate this, what I sometimes call meddhapasana, or this working with the object and the attitude, is I'm here and I'm okay. I'm here and I'm okay. I'm here and I'm okay. My leg hurts. I'm here with pain in my knee. It's okay. <clears throat> I'm having some disappointed, down, sad emotion. That's okay. That's where the metta. The metta is a chitta. It's, it's, it's probably the most useful chitta because what it does is it neutralizes the resistance it neutralizes the anticipation, the impatience, the sense of hurriedness. When are they going to ring that bell? <laughs> ring the bell, man. I've got to go. I've got to go to the walking. That's, that's going to be awesome. That's a, a restless kind of behavior so this can really be be felt into and it really is challenging because as we feel we want to bring sort of a deep awareness into the present moment experience like how close can we get so if the object of practice is presence the body is the most present object available to us, and as and and then as we feel into that body, with a liberal sense of not just the body, but the body, the sound, the sensation, the temperature, the gravity, anything that you can do to allow the body to be more fluid. And the body, closer to the body, closer to the body, is what happens is. Where the citta becomes activated is when when there's sort of uh, fear or restlessness arises. And in the the Abhidharma, the Buddha talks about there being these uh, unwholesome mental factors uh, of restlessness and delusion. And restlessness and delusion are considered universal unwholesome mental factors. So in any suffering, difficult, unwholesome mind state, delusion and restlessness are always there hanging around. And what happens in the restlessness, we feel into the body, we feel into the body, we maybe have some pain, we have some fear, we have some not sort of not wanting, I'm not wanting, I'm not wanting. And then instead of actually being present into that object, we sort of restlessly hover above. You ever feel like you're just in here restlessly hovering above the body? Kind of clocking it with the mind, yeah, the body's still here. (laughs) Still here. God, I wish the body would be different than it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a restlessness and it's a sense of delusion. There's a sense of, there's something, I could, there's something the mind could do to, to fix this. Restlessness, delusion, restlessness, delusion. The chitta becomes activated. And it becomes a, a, a low hum of resistance. And you're just like, oh. that bell's ringing any second now. I just gotta hang in there. <laughs> and then the meditation sit becomes this thing that you just have to get through. Mm-hmm. If, I, if, I, you know, if I can just get through this one, mm-hmm. get through. And so that, there's an attitude there, there's a resistance there, there's a, a not wanting there, there's a restlessness. And that, that keeps you from being present keeps you from being present. It certainly keeps you from being at ease. Because there's a view, there's an idea, there's a perception that says, I actually can't be at ease. Ease is not an option in this moment. So sometimes it's important to see that the chitta, it's not really like a thing that you can just it's not like the breath where you just find it, it's, it it's, 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 there's, a, there's a non-verbal component to it but it's more trying to watch the process of mind through the lens of like more like behavior like what is how is the mind behaving right now showing us a little yeah, the little tantrum behavior resistance anticipation impatience a sense of hurriedness I'm hurried I feel hurried I have nowhere to go for six more days and I feel hurried. <laughs> Hurry up, man. Hurry up and get there. So that doesn't help. Because there's nowhere to get. So we can just be aware of these things and find different ways to neutralize those things. And there's lots of ways to neutralize them. But one of the things that's that's I don't like to say always, but sometimes I, I do. Uh, what's always helpful here is mindfulness, because mindfulness will recognize that that's happening. Mindfulness will recognize, oh boy, there's a whole lot of resistance going on right now. Okay, well, what's what's driving the resistance? What what can neutralize the resistance? There's a whole lot of hurriedness. The word sometimes I use is anticipation waiting for something. I'm waiting for something to happen. I just want to... Someone turn up the pleasant knob. Where's the pleasant knob? Turn that one up. Wouldn't it be nice to get your hands on the console? <laughs> uh, I want to get my hands on the console so bad. Like in a recording studio where you have complete control over the mix. That's why all good recording engineers are raging control freaks. Because they have complete control. You have no control over the mix. You've got like three knobs. You have like attention, attitude. And I guess maybe, is there a third one that I'm not aware of? Those are your knobs. Two. <laughs> Maybe chitta is the third knob, if you, if you dare dip into that territory. So looking at the relational field of that. So I think I'll talk more about this this evening, but I, I just wanted to give you an overview of that so, that, so that you can be aware of this possibility and aware of this aspect of experience, that at times might be subtle. And other times it might be quite easy to recognize the the resistance. So so what I'll do is I actually try to break it down into really asking us to look for three things during the next practice session. So I kind of work with three questions. And the first one is the anticipation question, the impatient question, the hurried question. And is that, am I waiting for something to happen? So feeling into the system, feeling into the body, the emotion, the mind... Is there something in my system here and now that feels like I'm waiting for something to happen? Right. So recognizing that, and then using the breath, using the body, using metta, I'll offer different strategies to kind of unhook from that chitta, that restless, delusional, not going anywhere good, strong habit, uh, dukkha sankhara a type of um, strategy that does not serve. So am I waiting for something to happen? And then the other question is the, is the resistant question, the avoidant question. Am I waiting for something to go away? Am I Is there something within the arena of my conscious awareness that I'm just like, just waiting for it to go away waiting for it to be different I'm, I'm not connecting with that object there's a sort of like nope not doing it it's already there it's there so that, that doesn't work pretending like it's not there doesn't work so there's a resistance that you can recognize and so we're looking for these these behaviors these energies these qualities whatever word makes sense to you there's a variety of them And the third question, which is the neutralizer question, is the question of am I fully in touch with my experience? Am I open? Am I receptive? Am I available for all of the possibilities, all of the experiences that are arising in this moment? And so if we find that we're waiting for something to happen, an anticipatory restlessness kind of way, we want to cool that one down. And if we feel like we're waiting for something to go away, we want to unhook or cool that one down. And if we feel like we're fully in touch with our experience, we want to cultivate that or abide in that, rest in that, rest in that one, sit right in that, just sitting in it. I'm here, it's okay. all right. And that becomes kind of a nice way, a groundedness, Resting in awareness, resting in this open field of possibilities without trying to get your grubby little hands on the console, which is really tricky to do. And also the one thing I'll say before we do the practice is it's very important that we do not become too critical of ourselves if we see these things happening a lot, because they are happening a lot. So sometimes I know that when I first started working with this practice and they said are you waiting for something to happen I was like oh, that's all I'm doing that's my life My life is a big hurried restless moment of waiting for shit to be better And I just like I was like oh man I just like I'm the worst at this I'm the worst meditator I'm surprised they haven't asked me to leave yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dave, Dave, we need to talk to you. <laughs> There's no hope for you, young man. I'm glad you think it's funny. <laughs> So again, before we sit, if you do want to stand and stretch a little bit and kind of allow your body to adjust, feel free to do that (coughs) before we get into the practice. finding a seated posture that feels good enough, not forcing the body into something that is just going to give rise to resistance immediately. So just taking some time, a few moments, to allow your body to settle into its sitting posture form and remembering to recognize that the body is part of the instrument for liberation so we work with the body pour the mind into the body. And we'll start and end with the bell. Opening your awareness to the full range of experience, starting with the body sitting, feeling into the energy of the body, whether the energy of the body is restless, tired, at ease, and just recognizing that the body is like this right now. feeling the temperature in the body, the air on the skin, a sense of coolness or warmth. Feeling as the in-breath arises in the body, feeling the ease and release of the out Sounds arising and passing. different sensations arising and passing. And bringing a deep attention into the body, absorbing deep into the interior all of the sensations, being aware of any stillness in the body. Bringing some metta to the body, some degree of ease and friendliness, relationship towards the body. May I be at ease with this body. as you open awareness through the body and sensation, any feeling in the body of pleasant or unpleasant, to see if there's any emotion in the body, a sense of restlessness or fear, sadness in the body, some anger in the body, or some joy. Kindness in the body. I'm just beginning to trust that the body can hold whatever arises. Bringing a subtle awareness to the body through the skin, feeling the empty space in front of you. Feeling into the empty space behind you. Feeling into the empty space to the left of the body. To the right of the body. And above the body. As best you can, cultivating a quality of presence. I'm right here, present and at ease. I'm here. And it's okay. And letting the awareness widen further to become to become aware of any attitude of mind, any activation or behavior, energetic force of mind, and just to ask the question and to really just feel into the mind-body. Is there any attitude or any energy in the mind that's waiting for something to happen? Impatient? Restless? Just ask yourself that question. Am I waiting for something to happen? can recognize that, just recognize that, the pull of that, just allow yourself to come back into a sense of ease and presence with the breath, the body, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to do. releasing any tension in the body that you can feel associated with the impatience, resistance, anticipation... also to bring a sense of kindness towards the aspect of mind that is hurried, and be at ease with this mind, and just letting the mind know it's okay to be here. any point if you feel some distress, something about the moment feels challenging, just ask that question, am I waiting for something to happen? To see if you can just become present and interested and curious about what is happening. Opening to sound, receiving this moment and all that's being offered. opening to the mind in a bigger sense, and to see if there's an attitude or an energy of mind that has a resistant type of behavior, a pushing against, a not wanting, an aversion towards any aspect of your experience. And to just feel into that, asking this question, am I waiting for something to go away? Am I waiting for something to go away? Is there any aspect of my experience that I'm restlessly hovering above? Can recognize this force or energy behavior in the mind. See if you can bring kindness towards that acceptance, allowing the object to be known, to be felt. Breathing into the object of resistance. Breathing through the object of resistance. with mindfulness continuing to check in from time to time with these questions am i waiting for something to happen am i waiting for something to go away As best you can, remembering to recognize there's nothing to have, there's nothing to get rid of. Recognizing both of these behaviors as cutting us off from the present moment. Beginning to ask the question Am I fully in touch with my experience? Am I here? Am I fully in touch with my experience? Am I here? And if I'm here, how can I stay? Stay. Stay right here. and using that label if it's helpful stay. Stay right here. Find that helpful. You can use that instruction probably every other moment, (laughs) and just watching for that kind of behavior, energy, however you experience it. Especially when it starts to feel distressed, when you start to feel that sort of sense of something's not quite right, you can ask that question: Am I am I am I waiting for something to happen? Am I waiting for something to go away? And I, I really like this simple phrase of, of just reminding myself to stay. Stay. Just stay right here. This is, this is where... This is, it's all right here. Everything you're looking for is right here. I like that constant reminder. Which is another variation of what we worked on day one, but it's a, another way of bringing the full range of, of the stuff in without ignoring the mind or really just trying to have an integrated everything that's here is here anyway feeling into that so we have maybe a few minutes if anybody has any pressing questions or anything that you want to want to ask before we go into walking into interviews yeah yeah just on that last instruction, <clears throat> is there any any guidance you can give on on taking that instruction, but also you also gave us tools of being aware of impermanence and and um, gladdening the mind, mm-hmm. self compassion, tendencies to use those as excuses maybe to not stay. Right. So. Part of, part of the stay would be, I would use it as noticing when I'm not, basically kind of not here. So noticing when I'm, when I'm kind of reaching for, grabbing for, coming and using the stay as a way to return back. And then doing the, the question you asked of, of looking to see, is there, is there something, I maybe I can can I bring something else also that's here? Not like wanting it to be different, but are there, are there other qualities present that I could recognize, whether it's a sense of gratitude or... So just kind of, once you get back then you can open more to those kinds of tools. And to sort of explore that, okay, like I'm here and actually there's other things that I didn't recognize. that makes sense? Yes, okay. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you for your practice. We will see uh, some of you at 10:15. Everybody should have been signed up for a group interview. If for some reason you didn't get an interview with us yesterday or you're not on the list today, just go to whatever one you want to today. But I think we got everybody. Um, and if you come to, if you're interviewing with me or meeting with me, it's that only house up there. And if you go down the trail by Cheryl's green car, you'll see a little sign that says Dave, and you just kind of go around. Uh, the porch and come on in. So and you're it's gonna a re- blue car. It's a, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's green. It's, it's blue minty. green. It's minty. It's Wrong minty it's minty it's aqua. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Prius. At the yes, house. Okay. Yeah. misperception. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> so you're gonna ring the bell at 11:15, 12:30. Okay, cool. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>